guys, welcome back to another episode of the Lamplighter Way. Uh, today we're going to be talking about stacked knowledge, the hidden competitive advantage, Kevin. That's right. So I'm I'm excited to get back in the studio here today with one of my best friends at this point and partners of the Lamplighter Group. We've been doing some interviews, which have been awesome. It'll be fun to talk about this topic. Yeah, we got more to come to. We've got some some Absolutely. guests lined up as well. For sure. But this is one we want to try to jump back into again with the forethought of how can we connect with you as the listener uh, and add some value in your life, even if it's not specifically, oh, I, you know, real estate's great, but it's not something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. You we know, want to more entrepreneurial type of things. Right. So uh, as always, we like to do this in three points. Uh, the first point is going to be the career journey of entrepreneurialism. It's a hard word to say. You Kevin's going to give some background. He's had quite a few uh, different lines of work as he has stacked that knowledge and built the bricks. Uh, and then two, that's, per- that's a little real estate analogy in there. <laughs> I can't get away from it. <laughs> I can't get away from it. Everything can be related back to baseball, by the way. That's a, yeah. that's a saying, but anyway, no, story for another time. Yeah. Proverbs of baseball. The, uh, and then the second point, every job that you are doing or will have done in your life does can have purpose, but you have to have excuse me, you have to have the right mindset around it. That's the thing. Life's not going to give you anything. No one's going to show up and be like, you're amazing. So we're going to pull you out of this job and go put you over here. You have to be your best advocate. And I know Kevin's backstory, he's going to get to jump into that part too and share what that meant for him. And again, now why we're sitting together and building this and we get to continue to see whatever the future holds for us too, evolution wise. And then third, uh, unlike you know, the motivational stories or videos you see where they say, here's where you're at and you should be unhappy because you're here and they don't actually provide a solution. Uh, we're going to provide, uh, we're going to provide the secret sauce. And again, it's, it's nothing easy. It makes me think of the analogy that, uh, we were talking about behind the scenes, but you know, there was a study they did with fleas in a, in a glass and they put a container on it and they left the fleas in there for several days. Well, the fleas, would only jump to a certain height. And then once they removed the container, the fleas never jumped higher than that height mm. again. The reason that's relevant is because we're, we're, we don't want you doing that. But even if you're there, we, the goal of this is to show that you can, you can jump to greater heights, even if that's where you were in a containment you know, type of vessel. So Kevin, with no further ado on, on our side, uh, yeah, help to give us some insight on your, your backstory, maybe some of those, blue chip experiences through work and then where, where you've gone from there. Yeah. I mean, I've never considered myself until just recently as an entrepreneur, I have had more W2 jo- W2 jobs or sales jobs that were W2 or va- variable comp. And, you know, it, uh, it's an identity that's, that's been built up over the years with grit. And some of these jobs were not ideal, but I had to start somewhere and, every choice was made with intentionality. And that's what we'll get to of every job having a purpose and how, even if there doesn't seem like to be a purpose, how do you create a purpose? Because that is, that has been the case for most of my jobs that, Hey, this is not where I want to be, but where do I want to be? And how can I leverage my current situation? So I'm going to, I'm going to give a few examples of that at a fun level with starting with six flags. I mean, I've had looking at this list, I wrote it down briefly here probably 15 different official jobs since I was 15 and asked my mom to take me out on my 15th birthday to go get job applications. I just really wanted to be independent. I wanted to have money for myself and be able to provide. Um, 
but I, I landed uh, with Six Flags after some failed interviews with Payway and Baskin Robbins, <laughs> and I didn't meet the age requirement, unfortunately, right. to scoop ice cream. Because uh, most 15-year-olds are not doing that. But Clearly. what kind of skill does it take to put oh, ice agreed. cream? I mean, it was labor laws, but probably just worried you're going to eat all the ice cream as a 15 year old kid, but not possibly <laughs> just vanilla for me. I'm pretty plain, but, um, yeah. So talking about six flags, I landed at six flags and you know, my dad had to drop me off for work. I was making six twenty five an hour minimum wage. And I felt like I was on the top of the world, even though it was a really difficult job. And, you know, to give some examples to that, my dad had to drop me off. So I wasn't in control of when I left for the most part. When I got there, it took me 20 minutes just to get to my post of where I was going to be working for the day, not paid. Think about that 20 minutes there and then 20 minutes back after work. That's almost an hour that I didn't even get to touch plus the commute. So there's a whole hour there right. that didn't matter. For my break, I had to walk speed walk because I couldn't run through the park. 10 minutes to get my Frito chili pie. That's the only thing I could afford on that salary couldn't bring my lunch. There's no refrigerator and then walk back and, you know, maybe make 30 bucks a day and work three or four days a week at most, um, with my, with my schedule. Right. But what I did learn is the grit and the consistency. And so I treated that job as, Hey, this job is not fun, but I specifically chose the games department so I could learn all the games and then when I got out of Six Flags, I would never lose those games and lose my money. And when I had kids, I was thinking about this when I was 15, when I had kids, I was not going to be the dad that would spend 20, 40, 100, 200 bucks. And so for me, it was a future investment of, I'm going to spend $3 uh, and try to be the dad, you know? So, well, did, and, and yeah, to, to build out that, cause I just, I have to share, uh, you know, Kevin goes and wins all these massive stuffed animals for his friends and my and guitars. Kids. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And my kids are on the VIP list. So anytime they know he's going to six flags, they're like, you know, when's our big animal coming? When I say big, it's not just, Oh, we have a little, you know, Teddy Ruxpin. I'm dating myself, but Teddy Ruxpin on the table. I don't even know it's, what that is. <laughs> it's just like from the mid eighties. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like an eight foot by four foot massive the, the ones that everyone thinks you can never win that Kevin can go down to an exact science where he'll get blacklisted within the day because he'll hit all the spots and six flags on, are on the walkie talkies, yeah, like Jason me. Bourne being like, where is he? Where is he? We got to get him out of here. So speaking of some learning experiences from that. So I, yeah. I, I was able to quit six flags. I had a new job after that, but what I did learn after six flags is I, I could go back and I won fair and square, mm -hmm. but I could win these guitars. They were these Superman guitars and, you know, when you're 15, you can get away with a little bit of mischief and whatnot, but I was also trying to hustle. So I would go win these guitars legally. I was full with fully within my right. There was a one year seasoning period where you couldn't go back. And I had a six flags pass. I would win these guitars and I would go in and I would find the customer. So thinking about a business and thinking about how does, how does, how do we take that right. and give it a purpose? Well, I was, I had the skill and then I had to learn how to find a need, find a customer, be brave enough to ask for business and be brave enough to approach people at 15 years old right. to sell them something. I was truly trying to sell. I wasn't trying to serve necessarily as we mm -hmm. look at it now, mm -hmm. but it was purely transactional. I win these guitars for three bucks. I would win two, one at each station. I would walk out of six flags in two hours with a hundred bucks in my pocket, if not more, sell them for 50 to 80 bucks a piece. And I remember I'd have to walk up to these people who were failing at the game and say, Hey, I'll win this, pay me 80 bucks for this guitar. Uh, and sometimes it would work out that way. 
other times I would win the guitar and I'd walk around the park because I put myself in the situation where I knew people are going to spend money here and they spend money irrationally in these right. places and they want to feel like they have won. Burning a hole in their pocket. I'd walk around with this guitar for about 20 minutes. I'd probably have 20 people that would say, oh my gosh, look at that guitar. It's so cool. Where'd you get it? And I'd say, hey, I'd sell it to you. Like, really? Right. Like, yeah. And I knew where all the ATMs were. They didn't have cash. Like, I mean, I had it down to a science. But that's what I use for gas money. That's what I use for date money, for fun money. And that gave me a leg up in the dating scene where I was, you know, outside of career, you know, I could pay for dates. I could pay for fun things. And, you know, that gave me experience in the dating world that had I not done that job, I probably wouldn't have had that ability to do so. Right. So that's kind of summarizing, summarizing the, uh, the Six Flags story and, and how I've legged up. And I still use that to this day. So yeah, 15 years later, I can still do it. And I've probably saved hundreds. And I donate that now, of course. I'm not taking money for it, but I, I give it to friends, give it to dads who are struggling to win for their kids. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, that's uh, not going to happen on my side. <laughs> I look for that a little bit just for, just for that reward. I'd but, go to, I'd go to try, I'd go to try just so that you had that story on me. I, I'd be willing to, but yeah, I know yeah. you'd have to win it for me. And I'd be like, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, daddy. And speaking of like six flags, the only really close call I had, I, I stayed in a bathroom for two hours with a, <laughs> yeah. a Superman guitar because I was worried that they saw me not winning, but selling the guitar. And so I hid in the bathroom for two hours with so, a guitar. I just left it there and just walked out. We're going to call you Kevin Bourne. That's like the sixth <laughs> Well, no, so, that's awesome. Like, I love you, that you share that story too, because it's unique and people do, do go and they, most of them don't have those experiences of actually winning those games. And a lot of them think it's impossible to win. So not only is it not, but you get to share that gift with. Yeah. But with the your scariest friends. part was after I won the guitar to go approach people. Yeah. And that's where I built the bravery, right. the courage to just put myself out there. And that was at a small level when I was 15, but that carried with me through every single career journey, mm -hmm. you know, talking about, um, uh, the second example here would be in Austin. So when I decided to go back to school after doing a few other jobs in Houston and then went back to school in Austin, I needed food and a place to park. And I shared an eight by 10 room with one of my best friends. And my rent was like 350 bucks, but I had the food and parking paid for, but it was a dorm with 300 girls mm. and essentially like a house boy, but a little bit, it was like a big sorority house. And it sounds so like a terrible job. I'm so sorry. It was for a you. really bad job. It's rough. But, you know, by putting myself there, I put myself around, uh, some other great guys that were waiters as well. Obviously there were, uh, a lot of women there that, um, I got to meet, including my wife, so, you know, talk about purpose. Yeah, I was there. Diamond. We didn't date while I was there, but we ended up meeting each other. Probably against work policy, I imagine. You right? know, I had a self rule for myself, actually, that uh, this is where they live. And if something went sour, I, I really wouldn't want them to feel uncomfortable yeah. with me being in their living space. But I met her on a first name basis. She was dating another guy at the time. That didn't work out anyway. We're together we're almost married six years now, but that came from that job. But in that job is when I also got my real estate license and all of the girls that were coming in freshman year, they needed someone that they could trust because they were having to make a decision to lease their next apartment within two months of being on campus right? for next year. And then sometimes a year to two years in advance for a house. And so my job, J-O-B, for being a waiter actually built my real estate career. And I use that as its purpose or one of them, um, to build my next stage. 
And so that was the intentionality behind that. I had 300 girls in every single year. So every single year, my, my client list was stacking right? because they were going to apartments. Then they would tell their friends outside the university. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it just, it all tied in together. And I learned how to interact with people, build trust. Uh, that led me to this, you know, more final example um, for today's sake. You know, I had an internship with Chick-fil-A that I asked the owner, I said, Hey, here are the skill sets that I want to learn. I want to know the ins and outs of running a Chick-fil-A operation. I want to become an operator. How can I do that for you right now, making $10 an hour, but let me just be in the room. Let me shadow. Let me understand your higher level. Pay me what I can get paid. That makes sense. I'll provide value, but I also want to be in the room. And that's what I cared about at every single stage. I didn't care if I was taking out the trash or doing a minimal job, I wanted to be in the room to figure out what's actually happening, what people would say behind closed doors. And that sends a light bulb off to, for, you know, for me in my own experiences in different lines of work too. Uh, but for the sake of the podcast today, I hear a lot younger people say that's not my job. Yeah. And so that, you know, that, that catches me the right way, whereas there's obviously professional emotional maturity of like, no, not only am I, do I never have that thought? It's like, how can I take on as much as I can so that I can continue to see, well, what else could be my job? Because you know, the value that comes with that down the road too. Yeah. Get your foot in the room Mm -hmm. because if you get your foot in the room, I mean, out of sight, out of mind is a true thing. And if you're not in the room, then you're not getting talked to. And it's easy to say, Hey, so-and-so, Hey, Kevin, why don't you come and try this real quick? Okay, great. There's the door there's the opening, take it and run with it. And so I did that with Chick-fil-A. They created a position for me. And then when we we decided to move to Dallas, I was getting engaged. And, you know, that operator actually connected me with an operator up here in Dallas and my wife was going to PA school. And so I couldn't take the real estate jump that I wanted to take to have that bandwidth. I was going to be a sole provider, just, just married. And so I needed something consistent, but at the same time, I didn't want to just settle for a job. I wanted something that I could grasp onto that could potentially provide a future gain of being a Chick-fil-A operator. And so I worked with a local operator here in the Dallas area. And again, job was created. I love crafting jobs for yourself. And the way to do that is to find out what's important to you. Is it time? Is it money? Is it education? And, And build that filter list and don't sacrifice for less keep searching. And so fortunately this job was created. He actually tried to negotiate me down heavily on my income. And I said, I'm not doing that. That's not worth it to me. Also, you won't get a motivated Kevin out of this. So it's in your best interest to pay me more or pay me in this structure because you're going to get more out of me. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a a trigger for him in a good way. That was like, okay, I can see where this makes sense. It's commission based to a degree. There was a base that covered my needs, but commission oriented. I'm going to go hunt and kill and keep what I kill. And you can get a portion of that too. And so got the opportunity to do that, did that through PA school. And man, it was tough. I had to be in the restaurant serving Dr. Pepper, making shakes to understand and get the camaraderie around camaraderie around the people I was working with. I had to earn their respect because they worked really hard. And if I'm going to tell them how to do something or manage, I need to do it at its ground level so I can get, get on their bus stop in a way where it's like, Hey, we're together in this and I'm going to help, you know, try to raise all, you know, rising tide raises all ships. And we needed everybody, everybody to make that work. 
And but I, I would be pouring Dr. Pepper sometimes, thinking, "What am I doing here? Mm. Like this, this is awful." You know, I have a four year degree. Didn't care about that. That's not the mindset I've ever been in. But it hits you sometimes, thinking, "All right, what's next?" Because nothing's next until you want it to be. Right. You have to be the catalyst for your own change. And so, anyway, uh, the operator and I, we just had some, you know. Uh, philosophical differences, philosophical differences on how to run a business and how we built a team and trained a team and et cetera. I won't get into that, but it was time for me to go and compass actually uh, sought me out and through LinkedIn said, Hey, based on all of your experiences, we actually think you have a, we have a good job for you. And it was to recruit real estate agents, which, you know, how does this all match up? Well, I had real estate background. I had grown sales. I had built relationships and I I'm able to be nimble. And that's what they needed because compass was new and a brand new environment, startup like environment. And that was attractive to them. Hey, this guy can adapt. And so finally I was the right fit. Cause when I was applying for jobs, man, I got denied so many times because they looked at my resume and they saw all these jobs and they said, what is this guy trying to do? We have no idea. Um, but it led to the compass staff job and the compass staff job I got the inner workings of how Compass works, how the broker system works, and then led me to Ryan, uh, which I recruited Ryan with another buddy mm-hmm. on staff. Very and grateful for how God connected us in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, but I was in the room. I was in the room with all of these successful entrepreneurs, truly in real estate, and got connected with Ryan. And now here we are doing the Lamplighter Group. And how cool is that? And, you know, the purpose behind, you know, just pouring the Dr. Pepper or walking to my post at Six Flags or, you know, trying job after job after job, it built a unique skill set that was really adaptability and grit to succeed at whatever environment I was put into. But man, it was tough. No, that that's so good. And and jumping into, you know, today to to take the next step here and you listening you know, hearing probably some relatable stories in your own life. And then also hopefully just some, you know, some stagnation where you say, Hey, I, I'm here. I'm not really happy in this part of my life. I I want something different. That's the first step. You have to acknowledge it. Right. Yeah. And then it's not going to be not hard work in front of you, but, but you have to be willing to take the step. Like we were talking about, no one's going to come and pick you up and rescue you. What I hear in your story is, you've continued to take those next steps on my, my side. When I met you at compass, you were, you were that calm in the storm for me. And so was David with, you know, seeing this big corporate entity as I perceived it at the time and uh, seeing how you served uh, in communication, everything through that, that multi-week process before we continued. So you jumped on to the real estate side with me here. You know, one thing that pops up in my mind is confidence shouldn't come from metrics. We, we can get in that role and mode of gosh, I've accomplished this or that, but what I'm hearing in your story. And I think that's very important for us as a group is confidence should come in our position and what we're trying to do for the world and have impact. Well, the greatest way we can have impact is by stacking this knowledge to have greater impact on our community. So that's where your confidence, honestly, I think that's the secret of confidence just to lay that out there for the audience put pin your confidence and your heart position and what you're trying to do for the world. That's exactly what Kevin, the reason Kevin and I work together so well, but talk, can you talk a little bit more about that as the third point of how do we implement this? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, the reason why I call that the hidden competitive 
competitive advantages. I didn't realize this could be turned into a competitive advantage looking retroactively until I was interviewing for jobs, primarily like for Compass. But Compass was so, so different than any other job I've had. I had no sales training. In fact, in the interview, I botched, completely botched my mock call. So we had a mock call, never done one of those I'm sure they laid some grenades for you though, too. Oh, I mean, they gave me softballs though. They They gave me softballs. I had no formal sales training. And so I remember the guy said, hey, imagine that I'm an agent and you're calling me just to set up a meeting so we can talk about our brokerage and what we're doing and learn about their business. And I think I said, hello, this is Kevin. And he said, hey, uh, you know, this is James. What can I do for you? Hey, I'd like to, you know, talk about potentially meeting up with Compass. Hey, I don't have time right now. You know, immediate, immediate objections. Right. I'm like, okay, well, is there another a better time? No, just never call me back. And just kept giving me... <laughs> And the thing is, I didn't know what to do. I was frozen. Right. But the way I handled the call afterwards is actually why I got hired because he asked me, he said, how did you do? And I said, I don't think I did great at all. I think I probably completely bombed that. Mm-hmm. However, I'm open to learning this. And so that was a, a make or break moment. I said, I can respond this way and I can, I, maybe that just did it for me, but it actually, it, it was an all or nothing answer. And that just worked out. Uh, I got lucky. Similar story to one of my, previous lines of work or internship was with Southwest airlines, which, you know, and it's funny, I haven't shared this story with you. It's same exact situation with the hyper competitiveness of the job. My grades weren't going to get me in there, but the inter- part of the interview was they asked me what my knowledge was of an airplane. And uh-huh. my answer was, I'm not going to blow you away with my knowledge of the inner workings of an air airline engine at all. Uh, you know, here's what I think I'm good at. If you need that, this is just, I'm going to be the village idiot, but here's what I think this job requires. <laughs> and they, they said like afterward, they said, look, like 98% of people just tried to, tried to answer that question and, and fake it. And that's literally why they ask it. They want you, you know, they want you to be, that's who they want to hire. Right? Yeah. Well, this is a good segue to give the practical, practical advice to everybody. Right. So I've got three things here. One, how to get any job. Because if you're in your current situation, you don't like it, or you feel like, hey, this is my this is my sign in a way to change my situation or start thinking about it, look back at your previous previous jobs and understand the components that you can pull out. Because when I was interviewing, I fortunately, since I did all these random things, I had so many stories to tell. Do I need to tell stories about struggle? Right. Do I need to tell stories about bravery? Or selling or building relationships didn't matter the company, I could pull that out. Uh, and so storytelling, then you control the narrative of your resume as opposed to resume controlling your, your story. Mm-hmm. So you put it on there. If you get the opportunity to be in the room, that's all I needed half the time was get in the room to explain people why I did what I did. And when they see the intentionality behind it, they forgot about how scattered it may have looked. Yes. So getting any job through storytelling going back, really good. pulling out the stack knowledge and the key characteristics, regardless of the industry and applying to them to your interview or your next position. Second would be be intentional with what the job can give, whatever job you're looking at or business, what can the job give beyond the job? So like when I looked at Six Flags, I'm going to learn all the games. It'll help me on later on in life. Chick-fil-A, I'm going to learn operations of a franchise at a high level. I'm going to understand technology and how it's used for inventory and marketing from the best of the best. Same with advertising internships. I didn't want to be in advertising, but I wanted to know how to advertise for small businesses. So what can it give you beyond the job? That's a key 
point to look at either in your current situation that you may not be capitalizing on, or if you're looking for that next job, what's the delayed gratification per se. Right. And then finally get in the room you want to be in. So in your current position, if you have opportunities to, you should be adding value immediately beyond your job description in whatever role you're in. Otherwise you will never progress. Kind of like what you were saying, nobody's pulling you into that room. Nobody's volunteering or volunteer, uh, volunteering for you to say, I mean, you may have an advocate or two that can help. And that's crucial if you can build trust, but you've got to be proactive with that relationship. So if you're in your job and meetings are happening or there's value that can be given outside of your normal pay, accept that, accept it because it will, it will pay off down the road. And so getting in the room that you want to be in, so you are close to the nucleus of where decisions are making, uh, or being, or being, uh, or gosh, I can't even finish that sentence where decisions are being made yeah. because if you're not there, you're not going to be in the room. Well, uh, very well said. And again, this is a uh, Kevin, Kevin Bourne's legacy. The Kevin Bourne, we'll very call generous it, from, uh, yeah, the, the Kevin Bourne legacy or supremacy here, starting with six flags and taking over from there. But yeah, we hope, I hope you guys can gather some insight into the steps taken, uh, through his backstory, where he's at today. Uh, you know, to close this off, if you have questions, please reach out you know, we're here to add value. Um, and sometimes there's blind spots on our side, but I love getting to hear and share, have Kevin share his story as well as his friend, because it is a story of, you know, not, not every step is golden. It just isn't, that's just not how life works, but it's the ability to adapt and overcome and continue just to look in the mirror and say, you know, what can I be responsible for? And I think you do that really well. So I appreciate it. I want this to be encouraging for people. I don't want it to be, Hey, let me tell you about all what I did. It's more about encouraging, you know, current circumstances don't have to be your final outcome. And how do you leverage the, the bad stuff to get to the good stuff? And it, it requires time, energy, and grit. And I'm willing to, you know, talk with anybody if they want to look at resume stuff or trying to craft their next job. I've done that every step of the way. I would be happy to share some filters I've gone through and some, some bumpers around uh, protecting myself. No, for sure. Uh, well guys, we appreciate you tuning in and we will catch you on the next one. Sounds great. Thanks guys.